You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, it's weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Now, it is Monday. It is March 13th. And we have, you know, it's interesting. The weather is going to start to actually dominate um, over clearly over uh, the next 24 to 48 hours is we're going to have this winter storm coming in nor'easter no it depends on where you are i'm seeing that parts of uh certainly parts of worcester are going to get really pummeled it sounds like it could end up being a a bad storm depending on where you are it's it's it, nor'easter expected to bring heavy snow rain strong wind power outages starting tonight now, as I look at the map, I mean, it's certainly a lot of parts are going to get rain, but a lot are going to get snow. And certainly, looking parts of the Boston area, Worcester area, six to eight inches of snow. Certainly, northern part of the state, six inches of snow. Uh, Providence, three to four, and then depending on where you are, maybe one to two inches. But nonetheless, good news shouldn't last a long time, but it's still happening. All right, now listen, we have a very serious situation on this monday and it has to do with and this is certainly a term gets everyone nervous but this bank collapse now i believe this is one of those things this listen you got to have proper regulation and this is all on team biden now so let's go to wall street journal silicon valley bank bailout the bill for bad policy comes due but there's a risk in a second rescue of the banking system in 15 years this is disgraceful totally avoidable wall street journal treasury federal reserve stepped in late sunday continue the financial damage from friday's closure silicon valley bank guaranteeing even uninsured deposits offering loans to other banks so they don't have to take losses on their fixed income assets this is a de facto bailout of the banking system even as regulators and biden officials been telling us economy is great nothing to worry about the unpleasant truth which washington will never admit is the svb failure is the bill coming due for years of monetary regulatory mistakes wall street silicon valley were in full panic over the weekend demanding the treasury and the fed intervene to save the day revealing to see who could keep a cool head in a crisis and it wasn't billionaire hedge fund operator bill ackman or vesture a venture investor david sachs both frantic panic spreaders federal deposit insurance corps closed svb and the cleanest solution would be for the agency to find a private buyer for the bank this has been the first resort in most previous financial panics, and the FDIC was holding an auction that closed Sunday afternoon. So, folks, this is obviously not any good news, and uh, President Biden has spoken out today about it. But I'm just going back to the Wall Street Journal. Biggest banks and now the safest deposits are being flooded into them. J.P. Morgan can park the money at the Federal Reserve and interest in its reserve. Why take on new political headache? The SVB executives made mistakes and they'll pay for them. 
but they were encouraged by easy money and misguided regulation. As the Fed flooded the world with dollar liquidity, money flowed into venture startups, and they were the SVB customer base. The bank deposit soared far beyond what it could safely lend. In a world of near zero interest rates, SVB put the money in long-duration fixed-income assets. I'm not going to... Um, get too much into the weeds here because it is obviously it's very detailed and into the weeds but let me go back to wall street journal perhaps this will contain any monday market mayhem but doesn't our guess the treasury fdc and fed will look to guarantee uninsured deposits across the banking system but there's political risk from a bailout if the administration acts to guarantee deposits without congressional approval critics have a point for the second time in 15 years, regulators will have encouraged a credit mania and then failed to see the financial panic when the easy money stopped. Democrats and the press corps may try to pin the problem on bankers or the Trump administration. But here's what we know. None of this is good. Uh, and you just wonder... Now another headline, First Republic stock falls amid turmoil over SVB. The Biden banking system, that's what Biden says, is safe. You know, again, this is, they, they can't do these bailouts. Like, this is ridiculous. These people are making ungodly amounts of money. More banks are under pressure. Broadening contagion. Here's another headline. Fed emergency measures. Show me the money. <laughs> I like the Drudge Report. U.S. government moves to stop financial crisis. Biden seeks to reassure markets. No losses borne by taxpayer. Let bailout debate begin. Blame game over Trump regulation rollback. Feds close another bank in the panic and parting at SXSW. Well, again, I um, none of this is good. Now, I also wanted to mention over the weekend, Vice President Mike Pence decided to really aggressively go after President Trump. But he did it. It was in, done in a very odd manner. He did it in a basement ballroom at 9.30 on Saturday night. I, I think he is... Um, I, I don't know what to make of that. He's failing to get traction. I don't think he's the best potential candidate for president. Um, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mike Pence, history will hold Donald Trump accountable over the Capitol attack. Is any of that positive? Suddenly now, Saturday night at some black tie dinner, the gridiner dinner, Saturday night at Washington, he suddenly decides to get up and says, President Trump was wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. And his reckless words endanger my family, everyone at the Capitol. I know history will hold him accountable. So he he apparently got a big um, response from the audience. But let me also go to this. Uh, Pence's remarks came a few days after Tucker Carlson aired highly selective <laughs> security footage of the Capitol attack. In an attempt to claim many rioters were orderly. Actually, they were. 
if you want to go with the whole definition of most of them were peaceful protesters, as we heard on CNN for how many months. Um, but th this business with Pence, I, I don't, I don't think he's the answer. I'm, I, I'll admit, I don't know what the answer is at, at this moment. We'll see exactly who's going to emerge here. But I don't think he's the answer. Now, over the weekend, I was very, very busy. Um, I will have it all up on the website. There was a horrible situation of a homicide in Pawtucket. A young man apparently took the life of his grandfather. It was very, very disturbing to be at Saturday night. And then Saturday night, I was also, there were two people shot in Providence. And then in a hat trick, I ended up at, there was an armed standoff in Providence up near LaSalle Academy. And if you haven't seen the video, folks, the um, the video is just the, the, the Providence SWAT team and how many people they rolled out to contain that. It's, it's pretty impressive if you haven't seen the video. And then also last night, I have video up on the Facebook page of, um, you know, people are wondering about, there was another car that completely flipped over, completely flipped over on the ramp going up towards the highway and um it what, what is just remarkable about that is because someone is even you know was asking me what is it with all these cars flipping over but i i think i think a lot of this is is the fact that it's the legalization of marijuana it's hard to tell now the individual that was stopped last night it um I believe he also failed a DUI test, but but a lot of these. Do you notice that there's so many of these? Suddenly, there's it's not even a car accident. The cars are they're literally flipping over, and that think think what it would take for you to be able to fully flip your car over. And many of them they they're not involved with another vehicle. This is the the drivers doing this now. In order to do that, I mean I'm not an expert on it but it, it would seemingly have to be a very dramatic turn of the steering wheel where you're literally flipping your car over and it's and it's a one car crash on top of that so there's more of that the um, the arm standoff first of all Pawtucket police i thought did a very good job think of Pawtucket right now i I still, there was no press briefing. The mayor has not said anything. The chief of police has not said anything. Last week, Pawtucket, there were four shootings, including a murder, in, in seven-day period. Four, uh, actually, no. I think the homicide was a knife attack. I take that back. But three very violent, three shootings and a, and a fatal stabbing in a seven-day period in Pawtucket. Four. And still no... I don't understand them. The Pawtucket police chief was on scene, would not say anything to the media. The top brass of Pawtucket, I don't, I don't get that. They were on scene, not one comment to the media. Don't here's, here's what the Pawtucket Police Department, and I will have a conversation with the mayor's office, but you, your role is you're, you're speaking to the community. The media is just your mechanism for doing that, your vehicle to do that. But one would think that you want to settle down the residents, the business owners, and 
you know, um, try to calm nerves here a little bit. I, I do not understand that. They don't say a word, which then rumors spread, and then people start guessing. And, of course, people are going to be uncomfortable. This level of violence, if it's like this right now, what is it going to be like in the warmer months? I can't even imagine. But so it was a very, very busy weekend. All right. It is Monday. The financial, this is obviously very, very concerning, as you can imagine. We'll cover that. We're going to do politics this week with Justin Katz. Folks, it's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net folks you're listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com it's time for our segment politics this week joining us right now is the managing editor anchorising.com it's justin katz justin i'd like to start off with uh you know i i think the headline is rather deceiving but i want to hear your thoughts and that is the fact that they're now claiming that there's going to be these uh education bills how these bills could change rhode island education caps on class size some of the other things i'm obviously very skeptical because to me there's always a hidden agenda with the teachers unions that control the legislature. But I'd like to start off and hear some of your thoughts on these supposed bills. Well, I, I think your skepticism goes right to really the, the bottom line point. If, if it doesn't include cracking down on teachers unions and their leverage, it's not education reform. It's not going to work. It's another delay tacit, tactic to get another decade without people parents causing a revolution in the state. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you don't even have to really see what the bills are. The only problem with Rhode Island education is that it's not, the incentives are all wrong. It's built to supply jobs to union members, not to educate children. And you can do all the little tweaks, all the little changes and caps on class sizes and this and that and the other thing. It's not going to work because those aren't the problem. I mean, we've got we've got decades, uh, centuries almost of, of experience teaching large classes, teaching children of all types of uh, backgrounds and all, all different capacities and abilities. We've got experience with that and we used to be able to do it. We cannot do it because teachers unions are set up to make the whole system about the teachers and they don't and to to indoctrinate children at this point so that those are the problems and if they're not resolving those problems it's just phony distraction to keep people from getting angry to make them feel like there's hope 
Justin, are you surprised that education is is such a problem uh, in the state underperforming schools? Uh, the amount of money cost per pupil is off the charts. Charts, but as I look at it, <clears throat> the Providence Journal had one reporter, and that was, you know, Linda Borg, who was essentially, lack of a better expression, but almost like in cahoots with the teachers unions. Are you surprised that that the local media isn't more skeptical or have, you know, a special designated reporter that would kind of, you know, go and, and extensively break down a, a lot of this stuff? You know, I I am surprised, but a lot of things surprise me about education. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest surprise about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, there was a big movement for school choice across the country. A lot of people thought it was the answer. A lot of uh, it was bringing together Republicans and minorities and, and all kinds of uh, people who wouldn't normally get along. And then when it came down to it across the country, uh, people were advocates for that were finding that there just wasn't the support for parents because there's something about education where they firstly they're they're kind of scared that if they're seen it'll, things will be taken out on their children but there's also a feeling like well my school's okay and what that comes down to is parents know they could choose uh, choose a different school uh, if they wanted to if they gave up vacations if they did a little bit of this and a little bit of that and saved and put their kids in better schools they don't want to believe that the schools are bad or as bad as they are because that requires them to take some action and makes them feel guilty if they haven't and I, that's that's kind of my armchair psychiatrist guess of why it is but the, the lack of support whatever the reason from parents creates this this atmosphere that i think even even journalists are, are susceptible to i mean who's the audience you know so if you think of right if you think Good of a, a member of the providence journal or, or wpri or jar or somebody really digging into these problems they're going to make the unions mad they're going to get a call from you know whoever whoever the current bob walsh is or maybe bob walsh himself uh, saying hey you don't really want to be one of those people you know you, you're 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 good you you're with us you're intelligent you're not one of those mouth breathing breathing mega types who hate schools right and so they'll get that call and then there's nobody who's going to call them up on the other side and say yes thank you for for helping us you know get get some options for our children or advocating for our children. That's not, they'll get angry. They'll get angry calls from parents saying, why are you going after my school? You know, that kind of thing. It's so it's a very weird dynamic, but I think that's what journalists ought to be. I mean, if, if they have a, if they have a vocation, if they have a purpose, that, that ought to be it. What also, and again, folks, our segment is politics this week with us is Justin Katz, managing editor at rising.com. Justin, what also no one seems to fully notice. I mean, look at the, but key people are still absent from the conversation. Right now, the latest is it just seems the Providence Union, Teachers Union, they continue to attack Infante Green. Anything that goes wrong, they go, you know, they, that is definitely they either want blood in the water or sense blood in the water. Uh, but right now, as we speak, there's, there's nothing being changed to change the dynamic that the cost per pupil in each city in town is far more than it should be. But the biggest district, which is Providence, there's, there's, there's no essential change or reform that's coming in. And you would think, you know, the, the state house. I don't even know what their objectives are anymore, but you would think that there'd be some kind of focus that what's we're doing now is not working and what potential legislation could be done to at least make some kind of effort to improve public education. Well, you know, I, I think they are 
trying sometimes or try, but it's, it's like trying to figure out how to how to i don't know how to get water in your house without you know moving a giant rock that's sitting sitting on top of the, the spring you know i mean it's just they they want to find some way around the unions without upsetting the unions without actually changing any of the stuff that's important they they right. don't want to change the incentives they don't want to change the create accountability for the teachers or the school system they don't want to do it they that they, they've take that right off the table. And so what are you left with? You're left with looking for gimmicks. You're left with looking for workarounds. Well, maybe a little bit more time in a class. Well, maybe a little bit more this, a cap on that. Maybe if we make subjective, I mean, one of the recent proposals I've heard was letting kids get credit for, for like their life experience. Well, that's right. Know, maybe there's an argument for that. I mean, that, that it can be valuable. You can learn a lot more by having a, a weekend job than you can maybe in an accounting class in, in middle school or high school. But the the problem is it's just too easy to gain. There's no way to check that. There's no way to say, okay, yes, you learned the lessons we needed you to learn. Because so it just what it will become is just the teachers who who the system that is failing to educate will say, oh, well, sure, they didn't learn anything from us, but they have life experience. So we'll give them an A and let them graduate. That's what it becomes. And so that's that's what you end up getting. There's there's just no, I mean, after you know watching this game for 15, 20 years of test scores and, and all that, I mean, you, you just can't, you cannot find a workaround. It's, you're, we're going to have to address the problem or just give up. And I, I think the answer for parents is get your kids out of the public schools. It's just, it's right. just not an answer for them. I mean, they, however well they might be doing in public schools, they would do better out of public schools. It's actually a detriment to them to be in public schools. And I think that's got to be the answer and bring accountability to the system one way or another. I mean, if, if everybody's leaving public schools, then uh, at some point, the system will have to say, well, we, we simply cannot fund because our taxpayers will not spend $100,000 per student because nobody wants their kids in our schools. But instead, I think what you're getting, people just leave the state. And I think that's part of the, what you're going to see more and more is not only do you lose the people at the end of retirement, and, and we've been losing for a, a long time people who need to who want a, an opportunity, like younger adults who want to early mid-career, that's, that's who's been leaving for 20 years because they can't find opportunity here. We'll start also losing those mid to later career folks who, are, who have children who are in a school, the school system because they'll just go somewhere where the schools are better and they don't have to deal with this whole, I have to pay for private schools or fight the union or accept that my kids are getting substandard education. So that, I think that's, that's really it. You need that that accountability. Otherwise, there's just no way you can't. These little tweaks don't work. I mean, we tried even even testing what they what they did. And I watched this really open my eyes 15, 20 years ago was they would they would have a test. It would finally to get to the point where you could trace a whole cohort. So you could trace a kid from kindergarten through high school and show, oh, look, we're not adding any value in our public schools. And what do they do? They change the test. Oh, that's not comparable anymore. And that's, that's right. So there's, there's just no way to, to do it without attacking the demon in the room. And they're not a lot. They're not willing to do that. Folks, quick break. Much more head politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment 
it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 our segment is politics this week with us justin katz managing editor at anchorising.com well justin i think one of the bigger stories that is out there right now i'm going to stay with education for a moment is in fact nicole solace who you and i have discussed south kingstown mom she wanted more information what's going on in a child's school they were blowing her off in South Kingstown, told her to submit uh, these APRA requests. So as a result of that, uh, we've kind of gone through the story a little bit. The, the, the reason we're talking about this right now is she testified Parents' Bill of Rights in Washington. It's almost about two weeks ago. But sitting right there is – and Nicole delivers this two-minute – uh, compelling, quick summation of where she found herself being sued by Bob Walsh at the teachers' union and held up to scorn. And she just, to me, completely uh, annihilates the teachers' unions, the corruption. That video was posted on TikTok. It has almost 6 million views. Now, it's gotten big views other places, Twitter, also on Facebook, all the different platforms. She has appeared on Newsmax. She's appeared on Fox several times over this. It's almost the, the the nation is seeing what the Rhode Island teachers unions did to a Rhode Island mom. And it is remarkable. There is, and I mean, other than me, there is zero local coverage on this Nicole episode. And, and Justin, the point that I want to get to is normally if it was a Rhode Island mom with almost 6 million views on TikTok, there would be all kinds of stories about it. And look at how this went viral. And they would have started that at 100,000. But your, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. It, it's, there's no other way to look at it. It's a media blackout on Nicole Sala. About that. We so, have Justin yeah. Katz. Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I said uh, 100,000 views. If they supported the cause, it would, be, it would take two views. It would take the person and their parent. You know, oh, look at this this stalwart person of Rhode Island who's at, at Congress giving a, a compelling speech about this cause we support. I mean, that would have been the, the the take. So, I mean, I, you know, what strikes me most of all is how much the news media around here is killing themselves uh, with by ignoring these things for ideological reasons. And that's, that's all it is. I mean, they, they just will not engage with people who are going to say things that people might find persuasive and that would disrupt the insiders in Rhode Island. And I just don't understand the local media as far as their business model. I mean, that's, first of all, they're insulting, I don't know, 40, at least 40% of their audience, potential audience is going to say, I have no use for these people because they don't report anything I'm interested in. They're going to, they're going to keep their own audience, you know, the, even the progressives and the Democrats would buy the papers and watch the shows in order to disagree with people. But they're, they're just taking all the drama out of Rhode Island politics and Rhode Island news, which is just, just mind blowing to me. But I think it comes down to journalists really see themselves as activists at this point. Their, their purpose is to advance an ideological cause. And so I think that's, that's the real problem here. Well, the thing about, and again, about to me with uh, Nicole Solace is, first of all, um, you know, I've, I've known Hummel a long time, but 
when he has Bob Walsh on, Bob Walsh, uh, former head of the NEA Rhode Island, probably really ultimately still controls it. But it is like hold home week and he gets away with murder and there's no follow up and he runs roughshod, whoever's on the panel with him. Um, you regularly hear Walsh, at least prior to him supposedly retiring, but he was also involved with the McKee reelection campaign. There's there's no tie in uh, locally, Justin, that that Governor McKee received gladly the endorsement from the same teachers union that, as Nicole Salas said, they wanted to ruin my life. They wanted to make an example out of me. You hear Mary Beth Calabro on the airwaves. You hear Larry Pertel, Frank Flynn. Uh, I don't know about Crowley, but it, no one can tell me there is definitely like a media blackout on Nicole Salas. She is not to be covered. She's not to be mentioned. Um, you and I discussed several years ago, there was a young reporter, some older woman a viewer left a message saying that she looked, you know, heavy on television. That became a huge story. The governor called her and and my God, look at the videos going viral. It has, you know, whatever, 25,000 views. It's going viral. This is 6 million with, by the way, Kevin McCarthy sitting there listening to this. And it completely lays out at the very least you could do the angle that McKee took the endorsement from the same union. But I I, I think, Justin, if, if anything shows how, you know, as you and I have talked about, you don't want to get there. They don't want to get the phone call from Walsh of, hey, you know, what are you suddenly an insurrectionist? Oh, I didn't know you were a Trump person. That fear of a phone call is enough to completely cause a blackout on an individual in a story like this. Right. And it makes me think of, you know, the, every it's kind of when totalitarians take over. Everybody who kind of gives in a little bit makes it easier for the next person to give in. I think we're seeing that in a big way. So what you'll do is yeah. you, not only will Bob Walsh give the report of that call, but probably their manager, too, and say, look, I, you know, if you guys are going to be reporting this fake news stuff we're we're going to have to tell all our people not to go on your show we're going to have to boycott the yep. show we're going to have to you know probably show up your at your home in the suburbs with, with big signs and they don't want that because they're not really journalists at this point they're just they're just go along to get along so i think they're afraid of that but i think they also just they're part of the reasons they the, the unions get away with that is they're all on the same ideological side and so they don't want so what happens if we report nicole solis well people will be interested oh well that's terrible what happened there and suddenly you start to get people interested in the story the reporters will have to report on it more you might start getting actual people advocating for children who you can't dismiss as crazy mega people uh, and that's that's what they can see down the line and so they just just kill it and as i as i was saying i i don't understand it it's not i mean people have been I've, all over my twitter stream i've been seeing the you know local insiders lamenting how many people gannett the who owns the province journal has been laying off and i, I yeah. reply well, well what if the op what if the other option is zero employees <laughs> the option is where they have to just close the newspaper and it doesn't have to be this way it's just like they're they're ignoring the drama and the whole story of our time because they don't want to talk about the fight they want it to be black and white good guys bad guys but they don't ever want to do anything like report on the local mom who's now you know pretty much a tiktok star for telling the truth about being harassed by the school system and and the union that cannot be the story they do not want that to be the story flip the roles and sure they'd love it this would be like front page news everywhere in rhode island but they just don't want to report it and they're killing themselves in order to do it it's, it's a just a very strange thing. And um, before I move on, it does remind me, well, in a way, but Justin, it was many years ago now, but Miriam Sorrentino, you know, her rise to fame for a period of time was 
that she was, uh, you know, very involved with Planned Parenthood. And then she was denied communion. And it could have been something with like her daughter with confirmation. Well, that put her on Donahue. Still contact her. Mark Patinkin and locals still bring up Marian Sorrentino. That turned into a talk show host job for her. But, but that was, you know, she's taken on the Catholic Church and the bishop at the time was going to excommunicate her. Well, N- Nicole Salas, that, that Marian Sorrentino was one individual worked for for Planned Parenthood. Nicole Salas, the, the damage being done to any parent that speaks up uh, is far more damaging to me than, you know, one woman who there was the threat of being excommunicated. I don't even fully remember the full story, but talk about a difference of how when it was the Catholic Church and it was a woman and excommunicated. I mean, that was a big deal. Now, now the thing that really I just find odd is there's a media blackout about it. You would think there'd be some short segment on local television. Hey, you know, local Rhode Island mom was in front of Kevin McCarthy. The video was going viral, over 6 million views. They love to write that Judge Caprio, the compassionate judge, his, you know, show, he's got 1 million views where he's, you know, whatever, nice to someone who had a parking ticket. <laughs> this, they want to they ignore where it's, there's the Speaker of the House in Washington, listen, to just, he's got to be sitting there just to say, well, this is why Fung lost, is because that's how, you know, the sitting governor took the endorsement from this same union that was operating this way against Nicole Solis. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DeVitro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor at IncomeRising.com. Well, Justin, we also found out at the end of last week, the Fane Tower. Now, this has been floating out there for quite some time. A little bit of a controversial design. Granted, maybe not everyone's cup of tea. However, this was a developer, Jason Fane. He was hell-bent. He's going to build his tower, the 195 land. A law, Mayor Lawrence did everything possible to try to block this guy, and nothing could stop him on his mission to buy these residential apartment units. But if anything now, that's all we keep hearing about. But finally, Friday, uh, unless it's a negotiating ploy, he pulled the plug on the Fane Tower. I believe, regardless, people that object to the design are missing the broader point, which is just you can't be more business unfriendly. Then there's not two guys behind him want to build one of these residential towers. You don't have three guys. There's no one. 
uh, to me, the, even Dominic Ruggiero, the Senate president, said, boy, I'm a little afraid of the message that sends on how uh, Rhode Island is just not friendly to developers. <laughs> yeah, well, Ruggiero's those are kind of crocodile tears. He he just he's yeah. afraid he wants his own special interest to be able to make money off these things and to stop them if they don't get their cut. But he doesn't want other special interests to have that authority. But I, I think you're you're exactly right on this. That's the message. I mean, Jason Fain, what, I love the quote. He, they, he's pulling out because of risk factors outside my control. <laughs> Translation, you cannot do business in this state. You just, right. you just cannot do it. And it's, it's what makes it worse is not only are they blocking development, they're blocking a specific development related to a topic that the progressive left has been making a giant news in the state everywhere. Speaker of the House has bills in there. Oh, housing, 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 housing. Here's a guy who wants to build 600 something apartments and he can't do it. Because I don't know, Rhode Island, Rhode Island is run by children. I, that's the only conclusion I can come yeah. to. They they don't they want housing, but they don't want to actually have any change. They don't want to build anything. They want they want to somehow magically fit people into housing that exists. I think maybe if we take away from rich people and they have to put a wall in the middle of their house and share it with poor people, that'll work. I, these people are insane. There is this is death spiral kind of stuff. As you said, there's there aren't. I mean, it was it's very possible. Fain was it. He was the last the last developer on the train, and now we just said, oh, okay. Well, who who else is going to build? Nobody. Nobody. People are going to leave. They're not going to create jobs. They're not going to come here for sure. That's insane. And I, you know, that I I'm one of those people who thought the building design was was pretty gross myself uh maybe yeah, there are, but there are other solutions rather than driving these people no development this is going to block my view all the it's all the nim it's just it's insane and this is but this is where rhode island rhode island has gotten to you just cannot just don't come and do business here i mean we, i think if i'm remembering correctly all along you and i were kind of skeptical like why does this fan guy even want to come here well yeah. now he, now he's learned and now everybody else will learn and he'll go out and he'll tell people in his industry and in his social circles yeah you know you just can't do business in rhode island it, it, it's just a i don't know it's, it's asking for trouble it's and it's i think it's that fantasy kind of world where insiders think they can just keep keep bleeding the public dry for funds to keep their special deal going. They can keep putting up roadblocks to make sure that they get their cut. They think that'll just go on forever and ever, uh, or else they just want to keep it going on until they can retire to Florida and keep their whatever they've they've managed to siphon off the system. But I think I think this is a very, very bad um, bad omen. And what what's more is, I mean, we've been talking about the news media, the, the uh, it's still a little early for this news, but so far it seems like it's it's really much more, you know. Oh well, look the uh, the people who objected got their way, and much less than yeah, this is not good news. What are we going to do now? And that's again, I mean, tying into Nicole Solis and stories the, the news media won't report or voices they won't allow. That's another one. Like, what do we do now? people this is a big problem and nobody's nobody's willing to challenge these things because it's just too many people are are getting their getting their cut and and i want people to understand because i think what gets lost in this justin katz is the fact that people get caught up i see comments oh you know i didn't really like the design anyway that's not the point what people need to understand is if someone walks into a town hall right and it's it's mr poland spring and he says, I want all the building permits. I'm going to open up a business. And I, I, so I want to follow everything to code. I'm going to do everything he asked me to do. And then the person behind the counter says, well, what are you going to sell? I'm going to sell water. Water? Why? Do you really think people are going to buy water? I don't, I don't think people are going to buy. Hey, listen, it's none of your business. It's my money. 
I'm going to open this. I like you, you shouldn't. Well, you know, we're going to have input on whether or not we think people are going to buy your water uh, exactly. You know, who, who are you going to be selling to it? None of that should concern you. All that should matter is it, this was his money. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it, but who knows? Maybe the guy does it and he makes a fortune. And there's all these people that want to live in a building that has that type of design. But whether Alorza tinkering with it and the amount of special interest jumping in. And I still come back to Justin Katz that I don't think this got enough attention. But when you had Governor McKee and all, you know, I, I believe Magazine was out there, but it was definitely Matos, McKee, the mayor of Pawtucket, the secretary of state. Um, when they're walking picket line against a private business like they did in Pawtucket, I, I don't think people fully understand what that does to the business community, because what Governor McKee was doing was he was making it very clear that if there's two, if there's a fight or a disagreement and, and, and he's going to pick sides, he is showing you which side he is going to be on. And so, you know, the Jason Fain thing, it seemed a little far flung, but a, a lot of a lot of people have made fortunes off of seeing ideas that other people didn't see. But in Rhode Island, instead of saying, hey, listen, as long as this guy is doing everything by the book and he's meeting all the, you know, whatever it might be, the criteria, that's up to him. Let the marketplace decide. But they don't operate that way. They jump in and they get involved and and this should be this. And then a certain percentage should be low income housing and more affordable units. And we want this. And then the unions get their bite. I'll give you the last word. I, I think this is like a McKee. This is a billboard in the Northeast that for, even forget about kicking the tires here. You cannot open or do business here. Yeah. <laughs> and you ought to leave if you're trying to do business already. In yes. some, some regards. Yeah. You know, there uh, two two quick thoughts on this. First is, you know, you can do some of those things. You can do the regulation. You can do the high taxes. You can do the pro-union rallies with the governor. You can do some of those things. You cannot do all of them. You cannot just say, right. look, you come here. We're going to take your money. We're going to rip you off. We're going to force your union, force a union on you. We're going to regulate you to death. But come on, we really want you here, but we're going to do all that. You can't do that. There's just you take all the margin out of anything and all the all the as as Thane said, you you increase all the risk factors outside of the business's control. And that's the other issue is the lack of stability. I mean, say he set, starts setting up this $300 million project and a year in the legislature says, oh, well, he's found a way not to unionize or he's found a way to do this or that. Oh, we're going to change the law on you now that you're all invested in our state and you can't leave without big losses. That's another risk too. And I that's that kind of atmosphere is what we have where everybody wants everything. They really do think they run, they think they were elected to run every business in the state, yeah. whether you're talking about the type of straws you can have in your restaurant, the type of bags you can use if you're a grocery store or the type of building you can build. And I, I guess the last word I would have on this is that the design is negotiable. That kind of right. thing, okay, it's ugly. If he thinks he can make money and we say, you know what, could you make it look a little bit more like the Superman building? He will do it. <laughs> I guarantee you that's right. the, that swoopy, like naked leg design he had. He would change that. That was not the thing that he was most interested. In. I'm almost positive. And right. but we don't we don't the, the design just becomes an excuse for all the other reasons we're going to block him from doing his thing. And I think that's that's where we that's where we are in the state. It's, it's kind of kind of terrifying if you if you want to have a future here. Now, Justin Katz, the uh, race to replace Congressman David Sustellini, Congressional District 1, it is now starting to take shape. And as we speak, 
the first to me major candidate that is now you know kind of been circling it a little bit i still think i think right now it's down to kind of a big three but one of them uh seemingly is now set and jumping in the race and that is lieutenant governor sabina matos and just background on her she still like she still lives in odeville she doesn't live in the district not that that seems to matter anymore she was in the providence city council she was then selected by to be governor mckee's lieutenant governor in uh, April, she then didn't win the office outright, even though she lost day of voting to Aaron Bukian. All the uh, the mail ballots put over the top. So I'm uh, curious to hear your uh, perspective on Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos entering into the you know the race now, CB one congressional seat. Well, you know what what strikes me here is I mean we we've talked frequently about how one of the problems Republicans have is there's no there's no gate. I mean, you, you decide you want to get involved in the politics and suddenly you're running for Congress because there's there's nobody ahead of you in line on the Republican side. Yeah. And it's kind of surprising that in, in some ways, Matos, I mean, she's lieutenant governor. Yeah, sure. She was on a city council in Providence. Yeah. But still, that's, that's who gets first in the gate. That's like a major announcement for Congress is, is her. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure she's a great person, but what has she done? What are her accomplishments? Right. If we're going to pick two people to go to Congress and represent our state on a very important, too important, I think, decisions that Congress makes. She's going to be one of them. What What's the case there? I just don't see it. And I mean, Alorza was like that as mayor of Providence as well. What is she? What's What's the case for her being the one? But there's just so little, little competition. There's so few people of, of real heft who want to do that kind of job for Rhode Island anymore. And that, I mean, that's kind of the message I take from it. Yeah, she. I think. Listen, she's a serious candidate. There is no female of the four individuals we have in Washington. This could be. She's proven she can win. She doesn't seem to be a good fundraiser for whatever reason. I'm anxious to see who still jumps in because I, I am still not convinced in the competitive race. She uh, The McKee people had her do one debate on Channel 12. She did not do well. And so I think it's one of those things. If she were to get it, all she would do, Justin, is she is – you want to talk about someone who would just follow the party line. She would vote exactly how they tell her to, to vote. She'd vote – things exactly how the locals back here would tell her to vote um still waiting to see if helena folks jumps in and then speaker joe sakachi to me is the real one but what i think is interesting about matos is if she won governor mckee gets to select another lieutenant governor and i wonder part of the mckee team would now challenge i have to think she was given the green light by the governor to go for it and so i just wonder now if that kind of puts to the side some of the other people that kind of make up his team. Finally, Justin, we talked about the education bill, but some voting bills came out last week. There's, there's three big ones. One is, of course, Tierra Max and others want to revoke voter ID. The second is they want to put in, because Ashley Kalis moved to the state immediately ran for governor, they want to put in a, a residency requirement that you have to be here at least, I think it's five years. And then the third has to do with the number of people that can can handle the different these mail ballots where i still believe the republican party is i believe dropping the ball because they're not pointing out that we're an outlier compared to mass and connecticut that limit 10 Rhode island is unlimited at least try to make that argument but i'd like to hear your thoughts on these three again then there's nothing definitive here but voting bills that are being discussed 
Well, on the on the res, new residents running for office thing, it's just that that one I think is the most telling. I mean, Ashley Kalis came in. I mean, I for one thing, it shows that they don't trust voters. And if if that's right. a compelling argument to people, then okay, fine, don't vote for the new person. But that's you know that should be for voters to decide. But I think what it what it really tells me is that scares them because they've locked things up in Rhode Island. They can see, they know who all the players are. They can kill them in their cradle for the, their political careers. They can, they can make sure they control things all the way up the line with that. But if somebody can just move here, I mean, imagine if somebody with some name recognition in the state just, just moved here and started running <laughs> against them, that would be, they could actually win, you know? And that's the, that, I think that's where this comes from is you have to be here for a while. You have to give us some time to get our claws in you, drag you down and make you not run or come become one of us. Uh, otherwise you can't run. I, that to me feels like, because actually Kayla's lost. It's not like she, she came in right. run and now, now they're saying, Oh, this is terrible. Uh, they, they just, they, they saw a vulnerability to their, yep. their control and that's what they're acting again. Now, as far as voter IDs, I mean, it seems like it's mostly progressives behind this, but you know, what strikes me here is they, they, again, it's kind of condescending, like, well, maybe people can find IDs and maybe there are ways to get people, get people to, to, to get their, to get the ID and get to vote and all that stuff. But instead it's no, we can't, we've got to, we've got to allow them to, um, we've got to allow them to vote without IDs, you know, it's almost like a, a patriarchy, the progressives, they need us to take care of them. They need us to make things easy for them. Uh, and I, they never show that there's been a problem. So we've had voter ID for a number of years, what a decade. They never say, oh, well, I've got this three dozen even, I've got a hundred people who couldn't vote. It's just always speculative. There are people who have problems with this. And uh, I think that's that's a, a problem as well. And I think the the idea of who can send in a mail ballot, that's that's another interesting one. I think we, we really need, uh, the Republicans, it's a good idea, but they, I think they made it a little too stringent. I think it has to do with, um, has to do with your family members can bring in, bring it, bring in your, send in your mail ballot, where, you know, maybe you could, ex you could definitely expand that. And that leaves open the c complaint, well, what about people who don't have any family and all this sorts of right. things? But I think you would, it's very reasonable to suggest maybe we just need to know who sent it in. Maybe you have to yeah. sign it when you send it in and there you go, you sign the envelope even, and, and that's it. That's all. And then we could trace that. And it strikes me, you know, I had an argument with John Marion of Common Cause once when he wanted to, when the state was starting to force, you know, put your, put the name of who paid for a sign on it, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. And I said, well, do we, do we really have a right to demand that given the first amendment? And he said, well, don't you want to know who paid for the advertisement? Well, I, you know, it's helpful, but I don't know. Well, right. how about this? Don't you want to know who's sending in these mail ballots? Maybe then we could say, oh, look at this one person sent in 10,000 yeah. mail ballots. That's who's right. paying that person? So they, they talk out of both sides of their mouths with mouth with right. stuff with but we need we need to be able to transparency and we need to know Excellent who's funding point. you but how do you know yeah. there's not a billionaire just paying people to pick up pick up mail ballots and the i think the real message there is they know it is in some respects metaphorically anyway a billionaire they just it's, that person's on their side and so they don't want to trace them so i those are those are my thoughts on it and i think we're, we're heading in the wrong direction with these bills generally uh but you know, it's they're going to keep trying because they want to lock things down. No matter how much control they have, they always want more. Trace is a good word. And I think the Ashley Kalis what scared them. And it was Bob Walsh that said what really frightened us was was she comes in with five million. If she had gone for lieutenant governor, someone running for. 
spending that kind of money. That could have been a better race for her. That would have upset the uh, the apple cart in, in a major way. Folks, again, he's the managing editor at IncoRising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Talk to you soon. Now, Justin, before you hang up, I'm going to edit this out. What did what device did you change to that then it didn't work? Um, I just switched to my tablet. And it tablet. Worked. Oh, yeah. okay. So um, the phone. Yeah, what do the you phone make wasn't of that? Working. The phone was not, but when you switched to the tablet, it did work. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe because I wasn't logged into the app on the phone, or maybe they just have different setups. But I actually have to, I really have to jump. Okay. Oh, okay. sorry about that. Thank you, Justin. Yep. yep. Talk later. Bye. Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401 739 1322. Free consultation, 401 739 1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation 401 739 1322. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dePietro.com. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. 
Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. Enjoy.